You know, I, I will say this, even though most of America lives paycheck to paycheck, I know I do. Um, we're just so privileged in so many ways. We could just be like, I'm bored today. You know what? I'll just tape a podcast. <laughs> so here we go. Rolling Stone, top 500 songs of all time. The new revised list going from 300 to 200. And they started uh, number 300 with a song that I despise, which is Rock Lobster from the B-52s. You know, I don't like the B-52s. It's just not really my style of music. That's all that is. And if any song should have been on the list, it should have been Love Shack. Because even though I don't like the B-52s, I won't say I hate the B-52s. I just don't like them. Um, Love Shack is, is, a, is a decent song. And it's a song that even though I don't like it, I understand why people like it, but Rock Lobster, and I think that song is like seven minutes long. I'm like, Jesus Christ. It's like, like uh, what you would call it, like uh, Crocodile Rock, you know? But the difference is that Elton John's a legend, and the B-52s are just a bunch of quirky weirdos from Georgia uh, who just happen to make a few good songs and end up on the top 500 songs of all time. So whatever. Next. Uh Two ninety nine, screaming Jay Hawkins. I put a spell on you from nineteen fifty six. This is one of those songs that I knew because of rap music. Because uh, DJ Premier sampled this song for a Biggie song called uh, "Kick in the Door," and I was one of those kids who we uh, I, I would read the liner notes and find out the samples from the songs. And then at that time, we had like uh, Napster before they were legit, uh, Morpheus, LimeWire. And then I would just download the songs and listen to them, you know? And this was one of those songs. And I was like, wow, this song is dope. I heard stories about this song. Like, this was the song, like, he was just Jay Hawkins. And then that's the song that made him screaming Jay Hawkins, you know? And uh, the legend was that, uh, you know, when they were supposed to do this song, it was supposed to be, like, a really smooth, jazzy version, like the way Nina Simone covered it. That's how it was supposed to be. And then uh, their manager stopped by the studio and he brought a whole bunch of chicken and ribs and a whole bunch of, of booze. And everybody got wasted and they did the song and then they did it the, the spooky version, as they call it. And he said he doesn't even remember recording the song. That's how drunk he was. But it was a song that uh, that put him on the map. And unfortunately, he just could never recreate the magic of that song. So... But he was the original, I don't know about the original, but he was out there before uh, Arthur Brown and Alice Cooper and, uh, you know, all those other guys, you know, doing the, uh, you know, the bringing the underworld into uh, popular music. So props to Screaming Jay Hawkins for that. Uh, let's see what we got here. Uh, the Who Won't Get Fooled Again. You know, once again, Who was before my time. I don't really... The only songs I know from, from The Who are the songs that ended up as, like, the opening themes for the CSI series. Because I used to watch see all, like, you know, New York and Miami and, of course, the original Vegas. So, but it's a good song. You know, I think they performed at the Super Bowl a few years ago. And um, they're a good band. Like I'm not, I, But then again, I don't know too much about them. So I'm not going to say whether this should be on there or not. But it just caught my eye. I'm like, oh, yeah, I won't get fooled again from the CSI thing. Um, Alice Cooper. You know, Alice Cooper told a story 
Alice Cooper was basically the name of the band. And they just started calling him Alice Cooper. So he just fine. He was like, fine, I'm Alice Cooper. <laughs> Whatever. But um, I like Alice Cooper stuff, you know. Um, I was never like, I never bought any of their albums, but with their songs that come on the radio and stuff like that, I'd listen, you know. Uh, School's Out, number 293 on the list. Uh, let me see here. Oh, psh, Tribe Call Quest, Can I Kick It? You know, when Tribe came out in 90, when Daylock came out like in 88 with plug tuning, you know, um, they just really ushered in the age of more alternative rap, which I was really a fan of, you know. And even some of the lesser known alternative rappers like Divine Styler kind of caught my ear, you know. But I mean, Tribe's album was a was a classic. Tribe's the only, I think they're the only group, at least the only rap group, don't quote me on that, where they could, they had uh two number one albums 20 years apart. So they had their their last number one album was in night was in uh, Love Movement, I think in 96, and then uh with thank you for your service in 2016 after after Fife passed away. So, Tribe Definite Legends. Phil Collins in the air tonight. Um Yeah, Phil Phil Collins in Genesis, uh you know, I like their I like their stuff, you know. Uh in the air tonight, you know, classic song. Everybody loves the whole the the drum thing, you know. I let my nephew my nephew likes it. So my nephew's like 20. You know, a few years back, uh, a rock group called Nonpoint did a cover of the song. And I think it was for the um, Miami Vice remake that came out about five or six years ago. And he didn't like the uh, he didn't like the the rock version because of how they did the drums. Like the drums was like the selling point for him. You know, that was the selling point for him. And it didn't it didn't really do it in the same way. So he didn't like it. I just thought that was kind of kind of funny. Uh, let's see. Usher featuring uh, Little John and Ludacris. You know, Little John is somebody who just knew he had a shelf life for his type of music, so he just went out and 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 I'm not I'm not into crunk music at all, but I had a deep respect for Little John because he was like, look, I know my style of music is on a timer, so I'm just gonna go out and have as much fun as humanly possible, and that's what he did. I mean, I'm not that big an Usher fan, even though I have a couple of his earlier albums, but. I mean, this was a good song, you know. It's a it's a great party song. People had a lot of fun when this song was on. Funky Four Plus One, that's the joint. Made it on the list at two eighty eight. Jesus, and I remember um, uh, they had. I don't know if it was the first time I heard a female MC. It might have been. Uh, the Plus One, of course, was uh Shaw Rock, who was in the uh, who was in the group. And um, yeah, I remember this song, man. I love this song. Like, I grew up on rap, you know. In the, the I was a little kid when 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 Rappers Delight came out. I was maybe like eight or nine, so I really grew up on this stuff, man. And the, you know, aside from all this mumble rap stuff, which just makes which just turned me into an instant grungy old man, you know. This stuff I grew up on, man. I love it. ACDC, you shook me all night long from the. Uh, Back in Black album, you know, that was basically one of the biggest, I would say that it was basically the biggest metal or, or rock comeback of all time. Uh, number two, definitely Ozzy Osbourne. 
you know, uh, after going solo. And then maybe, maybe I'll put Dio up there after leaving uh, Rainbow. But um, when Bon Scott passed away, everybody was like, ACDC is done. And then I don't know where the hell they found Brian Johnson, but he just came out there and just blew it up, man. So I'll, even though I'm not an ACDC fan, I've never bought any of their albums, you know, uh, I do like their stuff. And I would have put Back in Black up here, but You Shook Me All Night Long is still a good song. ABBA's Dancing Queen. There was a, uh, a documentary on HBO about pop music. It had, had episodes. And they talked about ABBA's pop foil, you know, and how they made um, how they made hit records all those years, you know. And Dancing Queen, definitely, you know, because I was a big fan of disco, they used to play this song all the time. So, uh, let's see. What else is in, uh, in here? Ray Charles, Georgia On My Mind. The Ray biopic was one of my favorite biopics of all time. And I remember hearing this, even before the biopic came out, about how Ray Charles was banned from doing shows in Georgia because he ended up doing what they call a Jim Crow show, which is where, you know, Ray Charles, of course, being a black man, was performing, but no black people were allowed to attend his show because it was segregated. So when Ray found out that the show was segregated, he pulled out. He's like, well, I'm not performing. And Ray Charles, and then he, he told him, hey, if you don't do the show, there's going to be consequences and repercussions in Ray's exact words. I would go, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so for a while, he was banned from doing shows from Georgia. And eventually, not only did they give Ray a uh, public apology, but they also made uh, Georgia On My Mind the official state song of Georgia. So that ended up with a, a, a happy ending. Uh, let's see here. Radiohead's Karma Police. Um, I like Radiohead, even though I don't own any of their albums. No, what am I talking about? I have two of their albums. I have um, uh, Tupelo Honey and uh, The Benz. I have their first and second albums. I just don't have the other albums that came out that when they were really big, like uh, OK Computer and Kid A. Those I don't have. But, you know... Karma Police is a great song, you know, and it definitely deserves to be on the list. Uh, let's see here. What's next? What's next? What's next? Al Green's Love and Happiness. You know, Al Green to me was like the male version of Gladys Knight and the fact that he just like there's no effort in in what he does, even though what he does is amazing. It's like it doesn't even it's like watching somebody lift up 300 pounds without grunting <laughs> you know what i mean like if i lift up a, a 50 pound box i'm like Argh! and then watch spiders just lift up 300 pounds like, here you go that's al green because he's just so smooth it's just effortless in what he does roberta flack killing me softly with his song that's another classic i know uh lauren hill's version was earlier in the list you know thin lizzy the boys are back in town you know then Lizzie's another group where they were before my time, and I found out that they had a song. There was a um, a show called Solid Gold that used to come on when I was a kid, and Then Lizzie had a song called Killer on the Loose, and uh, they performed that on Solid Gold. But back then, that was back in the seventies. I had no clue who they were, 
you know. So I know the boys are back in town from like the soundtracks and stuff like that. But when I heard Killer on the Loose, I was like, I know that song. And I'm oh shoot, they did that song? That's kind of cool. So um, let's see here. Nine Inch Nails Closer. You know, I am a big Nine Inch Nails fan, and I did have that album. And uh, you know, I've I've been Actually, I've been a I've been a fan. Like the first song I've ever actually, I didn't really catch on to them on the first album. So when they were doing like Head Like a Hole, the first song I ever heard from Nine Inch Nails was Wish, and that was from the uh, from the EP. And then of course when Downward Spiral came out, I, I was all on it. So let's see what else we got here. Ugh, Drake. 267 would take care. You know what? Whatever. Fuck you, Drake, jackass. Um, let's see here. What's left here? Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On, 1973. Of course. I mean, what more can I really say about that? Dolly Parton, Coat of Many Colors from 1971. My mom was a huge fan. You know, like, like I've mentioned in the earlier podcast, my mom's a huge country fan and she loved Dolly Parton stuff, you know from uh coat of many colors all the way up to like nine to five you know so that this was played uh on the radio often in, in our in our house let's see what we got here oh curtis mayfield pusher man I, he had a song on uh i think it was in the first one from between uh 500 and 400 and i was saying that pusher man should have been on the list and here it is on the list you know superfly one of the uh Seminal soundtracks of the 70s. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Bob Marley's Get Up, Stand Up from, uh, I forgot what album. That, oh, it was on, um, it was on Burning, but a lot of people know it from the, uh, from his greatest hits. Not the first one, not um, Songs of Freedom. No, no, no. Yeah, Legend was the first one. Songs of Freedom was the second greatest hits album. And then, of course, outside of the box set. So, well, let's see. Gil Scott Heron, the revolution will not be televised. You know, I remember uh, the first time I ever heard of Gil Scott Heron was actually because of Saturday Night Live. Because when Saturday Night Live was, had first come on, and by the time I saw this, it was in syndication, right? Um, but... It was the episode with Richard Pryor, which was like the, which I joke as the blackest episode of Saturday Night Live ever, because Richard Pryor was the host, and they weren't really holding back on on the blackness. And then the musical guest was Gil Scott Heron, and he did uh, "Living in a Bottle." But once again, you know, a song I caught on to from Gil Scott Heron because of because uh, of sampling was Kanye West did a did a sample of "Home Is Where the Hatred Is," and uh, Common rapped on that one. And I, um, yeah, you know, I, I kind of went back and listened to more of Gil Scott Heron stuff. So let's see. Metallica's Master of Puppets. And once again, that, that was me backtracking because I didn't really get into Metallica. Actually, I take it back. I wanted to say I didn't get into Metallica until um, uh, the Black Album in 91. But that was incorrect. It was actually the first song that put me on, on Metallica's radar was um, One from uh, Injustice for All. And if I remember correctly, they got gypped out of a Grammy 
when they first had the the you know the the category, they gave it to Jethro Tull for some unfucking believable reason, because Jethro Tull is the least metal group of all time. But um, yeah. But Master of Puppets is something that I had to kind of like backtrack into. You know, it wasn't like I was, I'm not going to lie and say, oh, I had that album back in 86. Now, I probably, you know, heard that in like 92, 93 when I started getting into some of their back catalog. Uh, Let's see here. Parliament's Flashlight, you know. Uh, What can you say about Parliament? One of the premier funk bands of all time next to like Cool and the Gang. Or like Booker T and the MGs. But their funk was more, uh, I don't know if you want to say psychedelic, but, you know, they had a lot of the Space Age stuff in there, the Mothership Connection and all that other stuff. And, you know, they had a lot of issues with with their labels and a lot of issues with, you know, because then you had uh, Parliament and then you had Funkadelic and then you had Parliament Funkadelic and they did different things in different ways. And it was kind of crazy, you know. But, you know, if you ever get a chance to listen to some of their back catalog, please do that. You know, they're, they're an amazing band. Gloria Gaynor's I Will Survive, one of the most, one of the premier disco songs of its time at 251. Um, yeah, not much more you could say about it. Everybody knows the song. And if, and if it's one of those songs where you're like, well, I don't know that song. And you play from like, Oh, I do know that song. You know, who doesn't know I will survive, you know? Probably somebody who doesn't like music. <laughs> That's pretty much about it. So. All right. You know, I should be more of a Jimi Hendrix fan. You know, of course, I don't dislike Jimi Hendrix. Of course, that would be ridiculous because it's Jimi Hendrix. You know, one of the greatest guitarists of all time who died well before his time unfortunately, but uh, Purple Haze came in at number 250. So, uh, Joan Jett. You know, I, I used to rag on Kristen Stewart all the time as her being a bad actress because I just know her from the Twilight movies. Um, but she did a good job in, they did a Runaways biopic. She did a good job there. You know, and the story behind this song, uh, Bad Reputation, came in at number 249. Then the story behind the song was that nobody would uh, put Joan on. You know, after the Runaways uh, broke up, they just labeled her as a has-been for some reason, even though she was still very young. And she shopped her demo to like 23 different record labels, and they all turned her down, all told her to beat it. Hit the bricks, kid. So she put it out herself, you know, and she just had a career from there. So much props to Joan Jett. Uh, Let's see. Straight out of Compton at number 248. Crazy motherfucking name, Ice Cube, from the band called, mm, I'm gonna, you know, I do curse in my podcast, but I try not to use the N-word. I don't want to make people, I don't mind making people uncomfortable. I don't want to make people unnecessarily uncomfortable. <laughs> There's no need for all that. But I was a huge NWA fan, and even when they were beefing with Ice Cube, I was still a fan, you know. So, uh, let's see here. Beastie Boys Sabotage. You know, I know for a lot of my friends think it's blasphemy that I'm not a Beastie Boys fan. They had some songs that I like, like uh, So What You Want and stuff like that. But And even Intergalactic, I was just like, it's okay. But Sabotage, it's a good song. So 
Would I put it at number 245 on the list? Probably not. I'd probably put it in the, in the between 500 and 400. But I'm not going to cry about it. It's the Beastie Boys. What are you going to do? Uh, rest in peace, MCA. Um, let's see here. The Beatles. Eleanor Rigby. I believe this was off the Revolver album, which I, which I believe is... Uh, I believe it's the only Beatles album I actually own. Because I didn't really get into the Beatles like that until, you know, I was working at the record store. And when Beatles Anthology came out, the first one, I was just like, eh, hmm, nah, whatever. Fine, I'm like, if you want to buy it, buy it. I ain't touching it. But Anthology 2, I was like, okay, okay, all right. They got some stuff on here I like, and I ended up buying Revolver. So, uh Great album and great song. Let's see. Digital Underground's Humpty Dance. You know, I, I got to tell you, I, I was a big fan of Digital Underground when they came out, especially the especially the Humpty Dance. I love that song. You know, and it, it, it was that it, and we needed Humpty. We needed the Humpty Dance in the worst way because you know, uh, at that time, like rap was just too hard. And don't get me wrong, I was all into it. <laughs> so I'm not going to be like, rap is all hard, and I just did not like it. No, I, I was into it, but you needed something to balance that out. Sometimes you just needed a good dance track to just come out there and have fun and be in the club. And for somebody like me who has no rhythm, I dance like Frankenstein with his pant cups on fire. So now with the Humpty Dance, I had an excuse. They're like, oh, you can't dance. What? Shut up. I'm doing the hump. <laughs> so backstreet boys i want it that way you know i i never liked the backstreet boys all those lou perlman groups backstreet boys in sync because they just seem like manufactured dreck you know it, they just none of those groups ever really felt organic like new edition was possibly the exception even though they were a manufactured group i don't remember them being uh friends and stuff like that before or maybe they could have been i don't really know that much about new edition in the early early days but they they felt a little bit more organic than like battery boys are in sync but i want it that way came in at number 240 uh Aaliyah, you know of course passed away well before her time are you that somebody uh i think the i think she did that one for the dr doodle soundtrack i believe so let's see here. Oh, Hank Williams, a cheating heart. They used to come on the uh the radio. My mom loved that song. She, you know, she'd be cooking in the kitchen and singing it whenever it come on the radio. It just brings back memories. Oh, there it is. Bill Withers Lean on Me. So that's like that's like his third song in the top 500, you know. So uh I mean it's a great song, and I think, um, and I will say this, it was one of those songs where I didn't know about the original because uh, Club Nouveau, formerly Timex Social Club before they got sued by Timex, um, they did a cover of it for the uh, the movie Lean On Me with, uh, with Morgan Freeman. And then after that, I heard the original version, you know. Uh, let's see. New Order's Blue Monday at 235. Uh... I didn't know New Order made any other song except Blue Monday. Because that's the only song I know from New Order is Blue Monday. 
And even though I didn't like, I mean, even groups like Depeche Mode, I appreciated after the fact. Like, I liked Blue Monday at the time, you know. But I don't think I've ever heard another Blue Order, uh, another New Order song at all. The Supremes, you keep me hanging on. This is this is one of, like I was talking about before. Like I I didn't know uh, all the older stuff. So there was a song. Uh, someone covered this song in the eighties. I don't think it was Belinda Carlisle. I'm trying to remember who the name who it was, but they covered this song in the eighties, and they did, they had they did it like a, a eighties synth pop version of it. And I did not know this was a Supreme song until recently. So. Delight Groove is in the heart. Uh number 233. I used to be into into like club music, like house music and stuff like that. So I was a fan of Delight. I did have her first couple albums and plus one of her uh one of her maxi singles on CD laying around someplace. But you know, I was definitely into it. And um uh, I remember we went to uh the Red Zone back in like 1990, I think it was. And me and some of my college buddies, and they weren't going to let us in because we could just tell, like, they were being really extra selective. It was like me and like four other guys. So one of my friends had the idea. He approached these young ladies who were trying to get in and they were like, look, can we just pretend to go in together? Like, you don't have to like talk to us or anything like that. that we get in, just pretend to be with us so we can get in. And it actually worked. <laughs> they actually let us in because they, they see a bunch of dudes like, okay, these guys, even though you had to be you know up for the dress code, they were like, okay, these guys are gonna start trouble. Let's not let them in. And they see you coming in with dates and they they let us in. I just thought that was pretty funny. Uh the Who, my generation, number two thirty-two. Whitney Houston's I wanna dance with somebody. She had better songs, I think. You know. It was there was one of her more poppy songs, which I wasn't really that big of a fan of, but she had much better songs that could have been on the list in that place. Oh, let's see here. Oh my god. Beyonce single ladies, Jesus Christ. I am not a fan of Beyonce at all, and this is my least favorite Beyonce song. And just like uh, you know, whenever they have like these female-driven anthems. They're always used at the wrong time. You know, like when they had like back in the 80s, they had, what was that song? Ain't nothing going on but the rent. And then he was like, you got to have a J-O-B if you want to be with me. And I'm just like, oh, Jesus. I'm like, I'm in, I'm like, I'm in 11th grade. What job was I going to have? <laughs> you know, or being called a scrub because of TLC, because I just happened to be in the passenger side of my friend's car. And it was just like, you know, uh, back in, you know, back when that song came out, like if, like, if you like, you better put a ring on. I'm like, girl, I just met you tonight. You didn't even finish the drink I bought. You talk about put a ring on it. Fuck are you talking about? Stupid Beyonce and her stupid ass song. Anyway, uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival, Fortunate Son. I want to say this was on the Forrest Gump soundtrack as well. And, you know, I was never into Southern rock like that, but I love this song. You know, he, he had a lot of, uh, you know, you could, you could hear the grit in this song, you know, uh, it was just, it was a rough time, you know, the Vietnam war and all that other stuff. So let's see. Derek and the Domino's Layla. Uh, I will say this. I 
I had never heard the original version, the Derek and the Dominoes version. You know, I knew the Eric Clapton version where he did the acoustic one. So I didn't know that song had a lot of bite to it, you know, when it first came out. You know, let's see. Eminem featuring Dido, Stan. Fantastic song, man. And, and you know what? I, I figure if any Eminem song was going to be on the list, it was going to be that one. You know, Eminem is one of the premier storytellers in rap, you know, I, and I put him up there with like somebody like a Slick Rick or a Cool G rap as far as being able to weave a story. Even Scarface, I'll put up there, tells a decent story when he's rapping. So fantastic song. Let's see what else here. Ike and Tina Turner, River Deep, Mountain High. You know the tragedy of Ike Turner? He's actually a musical genius. You know, a lot of the concepts that he came up with uh, still endure today. He was involved in the song called, uh, I want to say it's called Delta 88, which was considered to be one of the first rock and roll songs. And they had, they told the story, they would have these giant speakers you know, and when they were pulling, taking one of the speakers out of the car, you know, to bring it to the recording studio, they dropped it and the cone cracked. So they, they stuffed it with newspaper, you know, because they didn't have time to, to have it replaced. And it made like this real gritty sound. And Ike heard the sound and he was like, you know what? Leave that in there, you know. And, you know, it just gave it that really gritty sound, you know. A lot of a lot of stuff. Like if you read articles about Ike Turner, a lot of st uh, the stuff that he came up with, people still use to this day. Of course, it's all overshadowed by his rampant narcotics use and his rampant ass whooping of Tina Turner. But you know, it, it's a tragedy that he went out the way he did. Uh, you know what? I want to say that I just said, and I got to scroll back up here. You know, because I think I, I think I put my foot in my mouth. New Order. And then. Is that this one here? Yeah. Bizarre Love Triangle. Also New Order. I had just said maybe not even like five minutes ago that I didn't think that they ever did another song. And then they did Bizarre Love Triangle. And I'm like, that's a great song. You know, and um. Yeah, sometimes I just need to like read these things before I open my mouth. <laughs> uh, Tom Petty's free falling. I, I could just hear Tom Petty just saying free falling in that song for like four minutes. Like I don't even know the end of, any of the other lyrics. I just know because I'm free, free fall. That's all I know. That's all I know. Rest in peace to Tom Petty. Uh, Wilson Pickett's in the Midnight Hour, number 218. Uh, let's see. Whew, Mob Deep, Shook Ones, part two. Jeez. What can I say about that song, man? I mean, it was right in the middle of the uh, the golden age of rap. You know, uh, between like the mid 80s and then the, uh, the mid 80s to the late 90s was like the golden age. And this one, this is one of the songs that defined that golden age, you know. Uh, Steely Dan with Deacon Blues. I'm gonna have to look that song up and listen to it because I know the album that it came from, uh, Asia, but I'm, I'm trying to remember the exact song. It's one of those things I'll, I know I'll hear it. 
Steely Dan is one of those songs, one of those groups that I started getting into because of sampling. You know, because um, Lord Tariq and Peter Gunn sampled a song called for them called uh, Black Cow. And um, of course, the label rushed out the song to capitalize on the single Uptown Baby and didn't clear the sample. You know, so I started getting some of the Steely Dan stuff after that. And then also, uh, once again, when Kanye sampled um, Kid Charlemagne for his song Champion from the uh, graduation album. Rolling Stones painted black at number 213. You know, I was never that big a Rolling Stones fan, but they did have songs that I like. And this was a good song, so I'm not going to rag on it. I think at one point Boston, who has uh, who's at number two twelve at more than a feeling. I think at one point they had the highest selling debut album of all time. I think that is actually the album that record's been broken. But you know, I I never really got into Boston, but I did love this song. This was uh, this was a great song, and you know, it, it's hard to. It's kind of like listening to um, Naked Eyes, Promises, Promises. Or take on or aha's take on me, where it's like you can't hear think of the song and then not sing the chorus. You know. Funkadelic, One Nation Under Groove at 210. Uh, let's see what we got here. Ah, whole uh doll parts at number 208. I will say one thing about Courtney Love. I despise her, you know. All, all the all the the extra bullshit that's been going on between her and the surviving members of Nirvana is just absolutely ridiculously unnecessary. But God damn it, Live Through This is such a fantastic album, man. I I still enjoy it to this day. And Doll Parts was the song that made me go out and buy it. Because I was like, because the first whole album, uh, Pretty on the Inside, was garbage. Hated that stupid record. And then, so of course, I was just like, "Oh, whole got a new album out. Who cares? Pass." And then I saw the video for Doll Parts, and I was like, "God damn, that's a good song!" <laughs> and ended up enjoying the album very much. So, I guess props to Courtney Love if, she, if she's still alive. Some comedian had a had a horrible joke about Courtney Love, and they said, "Why won't Courtney Love be enjoying a Thanksgiving dinner with her family?" Because by then she'll be dead of an overdose. Aw, that joke kind of made you sad, didn't it? <laughs> it kind of made me laugh a little bit. Don't worry, Courtney's fine. Um, Rage Against the Machine, Killing in the Name. Uh, that first album for me flew right under the radar. The first real Rage Against the Machine song that I ever heard, to, to be truthful, was People of the Sun. Uh, because I worked at the record store at that time, and... I worked for a record store called The Wall, which eventually became uh, bought up by Camelot, became bought up by Transworld. But uh, you were allowed to listen to records before you, you could listen to CDs before you buy it. That was part of their gimmick. We had a shrink wrap machine, just shrink wrap and put it back out on the shelf. And um, basically, you know, one of the other guys who, you know, who's working there was all about Rage Against the Machine, you know, from the first album. And I decided, you know, we were, uh, it was after hours, you know, we have like an hour where we're cleaning up so we could put on music. And I just put on that Rage Against the Machine album and that first song was People of the Sun. And it was just like, okay, I'm an instant fan. And then of course I went back and, you know, of course, listened to the first album. 
Britney Spears Baby One More Time. At any other time, I would just scroll past this song. I'm not a Britney Spears fan at all. But everybody's on this brief, free Britney nonsense because she had a nervous breakdown and her dad was just do. You know what? I don't give a shit. Let me just go on to the next song. Um, Stevie Wonder's Sign Seal Delivered, I'm Yours. Uh, I remember hearing a, uh, a story about Stevie, and I'm hoping I didn't tell this in an earlier podcast, where Stevie at the time was doing his whole, uh, he was locked into that Motown formula. And supposedly he told Barry Gordy or whoever was running Motown at the time, he was like, look, either I'm allowed to make records my own way or I'll find a label who will let me make records my own way. And they they let him have this creative control. And then he put out five of the best albums of his career. Let me see if I remember off the top of my head. Music of My Mind, Inner Visions, Talking Book, Fulfilling this is his first finale. And then, of course, his magnum opus, Songs in the Key of Life. Now, there was a big gap between Songs in the Key of Life that came out in 76 and How Did in July that came out in 1980. It's because he took time off to tour the country trying to get Martin Luther King's birthday to become a holiday. So, and then, of course, it led this uh, Stevie Wonder putting out Happy Birthday, which is the last track on Hotter Than July, the most misused birthday song of all time. Because every every birthday party I went to that year, they were all playing Happy Birthday when it was time to cut the cake. And I'm like, that song's not for you, stupid. Is your name Martin Luther King? No. Yes, I'll have some cake, please, ma'am. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, Johnny Cash's Ring of Fire at number 201. What can you say about Johnny Cash that hasn't already been said? One of the greatest artists of all time. You know, even if you're not a country fan, you can't help but like Johnny Cash, you know? And Ring of Fire was definitely that song where it's like you got an, you know, it's just signature Johnny Cash, you know? So, uh... Much props to Johnny Cash. Rest in peace to him and, of course, to his wife. So, all right. So, uh, that's it. 300 to 200. And uh, I will catch you guys on the next one.